everybody and welcome to the show. I'm going to be doing a solo podcast for the first time. We're going to be doing a monthly news uh, wrap-up of all things digital and we had a vote for artificial intelligence on last episode so we'll be touching on that as well. First off I just want to thank everybody and we've had such an amazing response and you know my, my goal for this podcast is really to create a a sort of a, a bit of a platform for retailers, general guests, you know, just to come on and have a chat and talk about what they're doing, whether they're an entrepreneur, whether they're a you know, senior vice president of, a, of a, a big multinational corporation, or if they're just running a small business in the back of work somewhere, I really want to hear about your story. Uh, I've put up a special page. We have uh, a booked out show actually until December. I'm really excited about the, the coming guests. We've got such a wide variety, so stay tuned. It's only going to get bigger. It's only going to get better, and I'm super excited about it. First off, I just wanted to address some of the uh, questions that I've been getting, actually. Uh, you know, I came from uh, a number of uh, very big organizations, well-known organizations. Uh, why I started the Digital Discovery Group and what's the purpose of it? What services do we offer and how can I help from both businesses to business and just consumers as well? So being a retailer and in being in the industry for, for so long, you see a lot. Um, you see a lot with, with vendors. Uh, you see a lot uh, your experiences as a retailer, you see both the good side and the bad side. I've been to so many conferences. I've been to so many different retail and industry events. I love seeing the guest speakers. I love seeing all of that early platforms like Magento, you know, they had some of the best conferences and I would go always go to the startup lane. Um, and I've met so many amazing people and they had tiny booths at the time. Some examples would be Gaetan from, from, Algolia, and he had a few customers at the time. I met him in a cafe. I'm actually going to go through that story uh, with my next guest on the podcast next week. I met Peter, um, the founder of Agin. Now he's a multi-billion dollar business. Part of the reason why I, I started the Digital Discovery Group was because that for me, that discovery for me was really what I wanted to focus on. I wanted to focus on retailers discovering new technologies, and I wanted to offer my services to small businesses, actually businesses of all sizes that have these interesting startups that you know can't afford to have big digital teams. But as I said in my last podcast, I've got the experience. I can take your business from five to $6 million a year to $150 million a year, like I did um, with Bing Lee. And you know, it's, there's a, there is a formula to it. There are some guys that have done it and they got in early, you know, Gabby from Catch of the Day, Kogan, Obviously, he's done so well. They're all super smart guys. And, you know, they saw the opportunity and it's that saying, you see a need, you fill a need. And for me, um, what's fulfilling for me is uh, helping people. And I've always loved helping people, helping businesses grow. So that's why I started the business. The services that I offer, I think I'm going to keep that one short because I can cover pretty much everything when it comes to e-commerce, pretty much. Uh, there's not really much I haven't done from robotics and e, you know, um, logistics and warehousing all the way through to uh, artificial intelligence and stock replenishments and stock and fulfillment algorithms, all the way through to building a basic website and setting up a Shopify store, working on UX, working on all of the basics around what an e-commerce uh, site is. I've also done a lot of work around data. I've worked with Tableau a lot, and this is why I've had Eddie on the show. Data is uh, super interesting to me, and I think if you're not looking at data, 
I'm here to help you, either myself or my contacts, uh, through the Digital Discovery Group, I will be able to to help you achieve whatever it is you're, you're trying to achieve. Um, so I offer a wide range of services. I've actually wanted to share with you as part of my services, I've recently put up this uh, page because I've been getting a lot of people asking uh, questions on the, my website. I've um, I've put up a page here to make the switch. It basically goes into what I what where I kind of sit. I sort of sit between your marketing teams, your customer service teams, and your technology teams. I kind of bring all of that together. So the core to what I do is in between marketing, technology, and um, that customer service piece. And to make the switch to to digital discovery group, if you're you know not entirely happy with uh, whether it's the agency that you're using, it's really quite simple. Go to my website, follow this maker switch. Um, you'll see all of the different areas that I cover from technology, site performance agencies, SEO, security, analytics, and um, just fill out the form. I'll get that information and I'll give you a buzz. I'll have a look at your website and I'll probably set up a, a, like a, a, a quick meeting. Uh, it'll only be about 15 minutes of your time. And from there, we'll go through what your needs are. I'll put a scope together and then uh, a proposal, and then we'll catch up and work out how we can work together. So look, I'm really super excited about helping you. Again, this is why I started the Digital Discovery Group. The podcast for me was just a platform to share the knowledge, the, the 15 plus years I have the experience. And look, if not as part of the group, what I'll offer is normally nine times out of 10, I will connect you with an agency. I will connect you with a development house after I've worked out exactly what your needs are. So that's enough about me. Let's go on to um, just a few things, uh, some questions I, I get a lot and I've had a lot since since I started uh, the business. One of them is got a website. I, I don't really know how to work it. It has these features I want to start using. These are really simple questions. And a lot of the times it depends on where you are in the business, whether you've progressed to making significant revenue, you would start investing heavily in in the in um, understanding the nuances around your platform um, from day one. You don't have to be a certain size, but a lot of time business owners don't have that. They they get handed over their website from their agency, and they tend to put it on the side and just take the orders and start packing and they're focusing on the logistics and the fulfillment. And they forget about their SEO. They forget about um, creating new content. They forget about their stock management. Um, only when, and it's only when it creates problems for them. I'm sort of positioned in a way that I can come into your business. It doesn't matter what size it is. And I would say I can help you start working out what part of the platform you should be focusing on to get the most out of your business. Okay. So, um, the next question I get a lot, uh, I need a website, but sort of, I don't know where to start. Right. And make a switch is part of the reason why I did that because you could just go on there and make a switch, you know, uh, or you could just go on there and contact me on the website and I can help you from, from, um, setting up an appointment. We can have a chat depending on the size of your business. I would work towards, uh, getting a, a, a sort of a, a foundation set first. A lot of people rush straight into e-commerce because it can set up a store 
um, and immediately can start taking orders. But sometimes it's not, you know, necessary. Sometimes you can create a basic contact form depending on what it is you're offering. For example, mostly services you wouldn't really put in a shopping cart, okay? It would more be uh, products, drop ship potentially because you wouldn't have a warehouse. So you might want to use uh, fulfillment by Amazon, for example. So these are all the things I can help you with. So where to start is always a question and it's really a discovery process that I go through with my clients. I sit there and we go through it. It doesn't take long. And by then I can pretty much guarantee I'll have a platform, either a pre-built platform like Squarespace, Wix, or even as basic or isn't as broadly used as um, uh, WordPress with a shopping cart built onto it. Then go on to uh, a number of um, pre-built platforms for e-commerce like Shopify, Big Commerce, and so on. They're not always the best solutions. There's Magento. It depends on what your requirements are and uh, what the scope for your startup is. The other one is, I, I've had this a lot actually, um, it's more to do with Google um, and paid advertising, SEO and so on. And I'm hoping to get a guest on from Google um, in the next few weeks. But I would say to businesses out there, doesn't matter what size you are, you have to be on, you have to be um, running a campaign, whether it's one of the automated campaigns from Google or whether it's a campaign that you're setting up to target keywords, but you have to be, you have to be there. You have to be on Google. You have to protect your brand and you have to really work out what keywords are, are converting. And um, businesses tend to use conversions quite loosely, business owners. And for me, conversions um, is part of what we do in terms of the scope of work. We would sit down with you to, to understand. And the reason we do that is because a conversion is not necessarily just a new client, okay? Um, a conversion could be a click to call. It could be a visit to your business page because the funnel, and I mentioned it in the last, and this is part of the reason I wanted to mention it is because some people ask me, what are you talking about when I say conversion funnel uh, or the purchasing funnel? Um, and the purchasing funnel has got to do with discovery. So the first part of the conversion funnel is awareness. So you're going through sort of what's called an awareness phase. You then go through what's called an influencing phase. So that influencing phase is what marketing media, so whether it's a, a video on YouTube, whether it's an ad on Facebook, whether it's an ad on Google, um, wherever that ad might be, um, this is part of that influencing factor. So it's going to do things like remarketing. If you've viewed a product, it's going to continually remind you that hey, this product is here for you to buy. And then there's the conversion phase. And I, I like to break it down in, the, in those three simple phases of the funnel because the conversion phase is the, is the tipping point in which the customer goes from being just uh, looking, you know, tire kicking, let's just say, that's the first, to then, okay, well, I'm now interested in product Sony TV from... Um, you know, priced from $1,000 to $2,000, for example. And then the conversion phase is, okay, well, where am I going to buy it from? Who's going to ship it? How quickly can they get it to me? Do they have it in stock? Do I trust that brand? Uh, how's their reviews? Um, all of these things go into a consumer's mind uh, when they're in that last phase. And whether it's working out, you don't get enough uh, at the beginning of the funnel, you don't get enough through the middle of the funnel, and, or the end of the funnel, when I say you don't get enough, I mean you don't get enough clicks or views to your page or impressions on your ads for customers in your audience to be um, 
uh, aware of who you are. Okay, it's really quite that simple. So if I so if I say to you as a business, well, do you want your customers to know who you are and where you are and when you're open, and how much your products and services cost? Every business owner is going to say to me, yes. All right, and I'm going to say, well, why wouldn't you be on Google? Why wouldn't you advertise online? And a lot of the times they say, well, I do print, I do, you know, I sponsor the local school. And look, that's all fantastic, but your main audience is online, okay? It's online, it's in social, it's on Google, they're, they're there. You just have to find them and you have to make sure that they see you in order for you to get a conversion and it's that simple. And then obviously the cost comes into it. It starts off more expensive, but as the quality of your targeting and your ads improves, the cost comes down, okay? and then. So a lot of the times Google takes a while, it's algorithm. So it needs big data sets, big data sets. So you need to get a lot of impressions. Google can't make a decision on whether or not it should show your ad based on a keyword or something that someone has searched based on the intent around that search. Um, for example, um, a local mechanic, okay? They don't know whether or not your uh, mechanic services is relevant to that search unless they see you there, they see that you're um, the people are clicking on your ads and you're relevant to that search. And this is the key. They've got to run for long enough in order for you to be relevant for the algorithm. Okay. So yes, my answer is yes, absolutely. Um, you have to be, uh, on Google and you have to be there. All right. Second part of the show, we're going to get into the news and, uh, we've got some really interesting news. Um, AI news, in fact. And um, now for those that don't know, Elon Musk started a company quite a few years ago now called Neuralink. And what it aims to do is solve what he's always called the ban human bandwidth interface to technology uh, issue. And the issue is we have thumbs, opposable thumbs, and those thumbs are on a keyboard, which are on a phone, and you're tapping away, right? And your interface is so slow. So, and he wants to solve that problem by putting your brain, basically merging it with technology and building in the ability just to think about things that and they'll appear on the screen. And why I think this article is really, really interesting for everybody out there. And for those that are listening on the podcast, um, the, the story is basically a guy sitting there with a, a, a chip on the top of his brain and it has a wire coming off it, which is like a USB-C cable, okay? And it's implanted on the top of his skull. All right. Now, what this, what these scientists were able to do, without they were able to use artificial intelligence to map the neurons um, in the brain as they fire when that when words are read. Now, in this particular article, there was a woman who uh, suffered a stroke, so she lost the ability to speak. Um, the very fact that they were able to restore her speech simply by using artificial intelligence. It just goes to show that it's not all Terminator robots um, and dark and gloomy. And humans are going to find ingenious ways to use artificial intelligence to to improve our lives. The next one, um, moving on, it's a similar medical story. Um, and and this is just incredible. Now, there's a new documentary um, with Michael J, J. Fox. And we know how sad that story is. You know, everybody loves Michael J. Fox from his, you know, from his early days in um, Back to the Future. And it's just heartbreaking to see him struggle with the disease. Now, obviously, if they got to it before he was showing symptoms, his his outlook would have improved. It's, it's similar to cancer is my understanding, okay? And 
so what they what these um, uh, Medical Daily have published an article, and what in that article they're saying is that the the artificial intelligence is actually able to scan the image of of somebody's retina, all right, and they can diagnose Parkinson's disease seven years from when it will, will appear. So that then leads on to an early detection and, uh, and to more timely treatment. So this article comes to us from the European uh, Union. And what they've done is they've passed uh, a law um, that forces uh, apps like TikTok, uh, Facebook, uh, Threads as, as well, any, any app as part of the Digital Services Act in Europe, right, that... Um, offers uh, personalized AI recommendations on videos. And you'll be able to go in and you'll be able to turn off these AI recommendations. And obviously the fear is that it, it'll affect the apps because it'll make them less sticky, you know. And these apps are all KPI'd around how long you spend on it, how much of your daily screen time do those apps take up. Now, obviously we know TikTok is is super addictive. Now it's just designed in such a way and we know what effect they can have on things like political campaigns and swaying the opinions of people. But I really think this is a step towards making sure that artificial intelligence doesn't take over people in a way that they, that they don't understand. And by that, I mean, you know, you put a frog in water and you slowly boil it, it'll die. It's a similar thing. Obviously it's not that grim, but Simon Sinek talks about it, actually. It's endorphins, dopamine, oxytocin, and serotonin. And those, they look at the, the, the brain and the activity that goes on. And when you uh, see something that you like, uh, there are all these little micro moments that happens with the, um, with the, within the app, okay? What it's doing is it's observing whether how far you scroll, uh, how quickly you scroll over the next few videos, it's looking at things like the video itself, um, all of the comments around the video, uh, the sentiment analysis of that video, and it then starts to build a profile of you. Now, these app providers say, oh, yeah, but it's just uh, a hashed ID and it doesn't matter, okay, because at the end, you're, it's, it's you looking at a screen, which they're manipulating to make sure that you stay on that app for as long as possible, okay? And I found it, personally, I found it super hard to actually put it down. And, you know, I'd be on the toilet, I'd be scrolling through TikTok. Every, you know, I'd be having breakfast, I'd be scrolling through TikTok. And I eventually just said to myself, I've got to stop. And I uninstalled it. And the moment I uninstalled it, the I started, mentally, I started feeling better. So for those people who don't think that this is such a big deal, it is. And I think the... The fact that now that you can go into these apps and now uh, turn off the algorithm as such, that it's only going to look at things like your profile information, what's on your feed, what you actually are interested in, and it's not going to try and entice you into different areas, I think is a, is a really good move from Europe. Anything that's using personal data, I think is it's, it's getting to a point now where if you combine that with AI um, and then eventually quantum computing, of course, it's just going to be mind-bogglingly powerful, okay? So that's it for um, for the uh, social media side of things. 
actually, well, there's one other thing I did want to touch on. The Pope has warned um, the social, the, the perils of social media. <laughs> okay. I'd have to say he's right because so many times, it's funny, I met up with my, my nephew the other day and we just went to the pub and, and we're sitting there having a having a beer with each other and we're just talking we're talking about the podcast and we're just talking he wants to start his own podcast as well uh shout out to you chris um and this young couple good looking couple sat down and they're immediately sat down and they're on their phones scrolling instagram they weren't even talking to each other and it went on for about about i'd have to say about 10 minutes before they decided to pick up the menu order some drinks and then put their phone down phones down and it's a common thing. I see it all the time when the only way to break the ice is to remove yourself from a situation, look at your phone, and then slowly ease your way into a conversation by seeing these di different signals, like putting your phone down uh, and then saying, hey, do you want to order something? Like that's 10 minutes, 15 minutes of conversation that you missed out on. And the Pope is talking about this, okay, the perils of relationships and what social media is doing. Um, and if anybody hasn't seen it, I highly recommend the show on Stan called Evil. Okay, and it's quite funny. It's um, uh, the, I've actually followed the actress in it. She she plays uh, a psychologist. What comes up a lot is these themes with evil and social media and technology, and it comes up a lot in the show. Um, almost I would say every episode, but every episode has its own theme. I'm not going to give it away. But I highly recommend you guys just jump on there, jump on the stand and have a look and, and watch it because it's, it's, it's really interesting. And it's actually what the Pope talks about, you know, these algorithms, they, how they can propagate sort of this, uh, left or right wing propaganda, um, and also hate speech and hatred. The Pope is, is extremely powerful and especially in Europe. And I think he, if, if not he would be in the ears of all of the um, legislation legislators over in Europe to make sure that the devil as he sees it is not getting into these algorithms, you know, believe it or not, you know, I'm not saying, you know, I'm religious or anything, but um, it's interesting that he's actually physically come out and said, Hey, this stuff is really bad. And it was only just, just yesterday that it was reported on. And I think we're going to see more of that. Um, yeah, anyway, in an interesting story I thought uh, I'd share with you guys. Um, and last story for today um, is the uh, story that we'll all be glad to hear. Uh, it is a first world problem, obviously. Um, but Virgin have released a really cool feature of the app that allows you to track your luggage. And uh, there's the um, digital officer, Paul Jones, said he's proud to announce that he's the first airline in the country um, to offer ability. Now, this story comes to us from, the, from news is where I picked it up at. Um, but it allows you to um, yeah, track it via the app. You get a tag. I would say it's an RFID um, tracking tag. And uh, yeah, uh, it's going to save you from losing your luggage. I think they're a bit late to the party, if you ask me. I think everybody use air, uses air tags now anyway. Um, you, you hide them in your bag and um, if someone wants to steal your bag, they're going to steal it. This is not going to change anything. In fact, um, Apple's technology is probably better and it seems to, to me it seems like a huge waste of money, but it is what it is. Um, you know, if they want to do it, it's for free, I suppose. 
um, if you don't have air tags. And I suppose that's a good part about it. Anybody putting significant amounts of, um, or, you know, um, uh, expensive equipment, for example, whatever you would always have insurance and make sure you put your air tags in your products, in your, in your, in your stuff, as well as the bag makes it super hard to, to lose. Moving on to the last part of the show, this young player, well, he was playing in the NPL and on Friday, he basically went to, and I'll, and I'll try and show it. He went to head the ball. Um, and as he went to head the ball, he came down on his head. Okay. So you can picture that. All right. But as he came down on his head, he never really, uh, like he was sort of on his shoulder and in the side of his head, he stayed down and the game played on, but the ref kept his eyes on him. And this referee, a huge shout out to this referee because he is an absolute hero in my, my, my opinion. A lot of referees would have called somebody on and that's critical time. You blow your whistle, so you blow your whistle, stop the play, call on the medics. They would come straight over and do that, right? But he had stopped breathing um, and it was basically, um, you know, he could have, anything could have happened. He could have gone into cardiac arrest. This, this referee has run over and put him in the recovery position and realized that his tongue had gotten caught in his throat. So he's put him in the recovery position, taken his tongue out, and he could start breathing in. And he basically saved his life. But this uh, ref just happened to be a doctor, okay, and a cardiac re rehabilitation expert, right? So he's obviously, if there's anybody you want to go down and stop breathing in front of, it's this guy. <laughs> and he's turned a, a, a villain, um, which is normally the ref. Everybody hates the ref. Um, into an absolute hero. So this was a really cool article. Um, if you're interested in more, to, to read more, I'd, I'd say just jump onto news.com.au. I'll, I'll link the article in the show notes and you guys can have a, have a look at it. Anyway, that's a wrap from me. Um, thanks again for listening to the podcast. It's my first solo podcast, so I'm a bit nervous, but um, thanks for, for watching and um, enjoying the show. And continue with the comments. As I said, like and subscribe. It really helps the channel. If you can leave some comments about what you're interested, uh, we could do a whole show on it. Enjoy the rest of your week. So thanks very much for watching. See you later. Have a good one. Bye-bye.